Good morning. Um, for those of you that don't know, my name is Javon Johnson. I am a chaplain in the United States Navy. I am stationed over at um, Camp Pendleton with the Marines of 111, the artillerymen. And today is officially my last Sunday here. And um, I know. <laughs> um, so it's kind of bittersweet. Um, on the next Sunday, we'll be in Las Vegas to visit my grandma and my family before we head off to Japan. And then the Sunday after that, I'm going to be out in the field um, giving a um, sermon for my, for my troops before I, before I head out to go to Japan. So it's going to be a busy, busy time. But um, before I get into the lesson, I kind of want to thank you guys so much for being the church that you, you, you are. Um, thank you so much for your servant heart. Thank you so much for the love and the kindness that you show my family while we were here for these two and a half years. And um, you will forever have a place in my heart um, as we move forward, as we go and do what God has called me to do, and as be a chaplain for military people as they serve and protect our country. Um, and, and I, wanna, I want to thank you guys also for um, your, your willingness to serve and your servant heart. You know, when I came here and I decided that we were going to do a military ministry, you guys just went hardcore into it and you just gave and gave and gave and, and you blessed those Marines so much. And so I, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. You know, we, we came, my wife and I um, came from a, a church, actually the last two churches of Christ we had bad situations with. And uh, so I was kind of down on the Church of Christ. My wife grew up in the Church of Christ and so she always wanted to come. And so I, you guys were, for me, my last hope for Church of Christ. I was going to go somewhere else <laughs> because I, I just wasn't, I'm like, I was just frustrated. And so um, I, I want to thank you guys so much for allowing me the opportunity to be a part of this family and allowing me the opportunity to encourage you. And I hope this message today is encouraging and it lifts you up and it edifies you. But more importantly, I hope that it challenges you as you move forward in your Christianity. Um, so... Again, we're talking about being made. And last week, we talked about the idea that God created every last one of us for a specific purpose, right? He created you for something different than he created me for. And that we weren't simply here to just live on this earth, to eat, work, and just die. That we were made to glorify God with our gifts and our calling and the things that he has asked us to do. And so again, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 27, it says, Then God said, Let's make mankind in our image. And our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, over all the creatures that move around. So God created mankind in his image. And it's very important for us to understand that, that God was very purposeful in the way that he made us. But when God created us, when God made us, he also made us to worship him. We were made to worship God. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And so sometimes when we hear the word worship, we think that all it requires us to do is just sing praises to God. Well, everything that we do on the assembly today is an act of worship towards God. Whether it's someone's get up here and give a prayer, whether someone giving the Lord's Supper, whether someone is glorifying God by speaking to you. Whether you are we're singing praise to God, all of that is a part of worshiping God. And so when God, when, when God and Jesus is telling us to, to worship him, he's not just simply talking about what we do on Sunday morning. He's talking about the very essence of our being. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, a view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That we actually have a, a life that is sacrificing something for the kingdom of God. 
And why do we do that? We do that because of God's mercy, because we know that the only reason we have an opportunity to live is because God sent his son down to die for our sins when we didn't deserve it. See, we must sacrifice more than just our Sunday mornings to truly worship God. I'm going to say that again. We must sacrifice more than just our Sunday mornings to truly worship God. And I would argue that, to be honest with you, I don't even really think we sacrifice Sunday morning because most of us don't even work on the weekend. Not that much of a sacrifice. In fact, if you've been a Christian, you just commit. Maybe it's more of a commitment than a sacrifice because you say, hey, our family is going to go to church every Sunday morning, which is great. That's great you have a commitment, but we must sacrifice more than just our Sunday morning to truly worship God. Now, when I was a youth minister in, um, at North County Church of Christ, one of the things that frustrated me the most <laughs> was when parents chose to put their kids into sports. Now, here, here's the deal. I, I'm not against people putting their kids into sports. The problem with what was happening was is that they put their kids into sports, and then they would miss this Wednesday night. They had missed this Sunday night. They had missed this particular thing that they needed to do or whatever. And you'll find out that the parents are, are paying money for their kids to be in sports, and they're driving them all around and doing this, that, or other, but then they don't take them to church and do anything. And then they have the nerve to come to me when they're 17 years old. Like, why doesn't my kid believe in God? <laughs> well, I, I, I can tell you why they don't believe in God. Because the only thing you sacrifice, you sacrifice everything so that they can go do sports. You sacrifice your Sunday mornings. You sacrifice your, their relationship with God so that you go to sport. Now, there are some parents that didn't do They did an amazing job of making sure that the kids still have spirituality. But the ones that did it, they sacrificed so much. And now their kids grow up and they don't have a faith. It's so interesting because when we don't worship God sacrificially, we aren't actually worshiping him. I'm going to say that one more time. When we don't worship God sacrificially, we aren't actually worshiping him. And this is what happens with Cain and Abel, right? <laughs> the first murder. One of them decided that they were going to worship God sacrificially and the other one didn't. And God looked down on one of their, their, their offering and the other one. He said, I, I am well pleased with that. And the reason why God was upset with Cain's offering is because he was giving them just the scraps and the leftovers and the stuff that he probably was going to throw away in the first place. And sometimes I think we do that with God. That we give him the bare minimum. We give him the baseline. We give him just enough so that we can still continue to be American citizens more than we want to be Christians. Um, last week, my RP, his religious program specialist, he um, failed his PRT. This is a physical readiness test. And in, in the process of failing that test, I asked him, hey, man, what happened? You're like, you, 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 we have to take this thing two times a year. It's for your job. Like, you can't be failing this thing. And he said, he said hey, I'm sitting down with a chief who's an E7 in the, in, the, in the Navy, and we're sitting there. He's like, um, sir, I mean... I guess I was just doing the bare minimum, you know, to try to get past, and I, didn't, I just didn't pass. And you should have seen the look on the chief's face. <laughs> he was upset. He was like, wait, you're going to give me the bare minimum? You're supposed to be protecting the chaplain and what you're doing in your practice and your thing that you're supposed to be training for, you're going to give me the bare minimum? And I can only imagine if the chief was that upset about uh, RP giving the bare minimum to, to himself, how upset is God at us for giving him the bare minimum? for not living our lives sacrificially. You see, we, 
When we don't worship God sacrificially, we aren't actually worshiping him. And you know what's crazy? We might not be worshiping God at all, but we are worshiping something. I can tell you that right now. We might not be worshiping God, but we are worshiping something. When I grew up in a poor little place in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and one of the things that we used to like to do, we like to watch wrestling all the time. And one of my favorite wrestlers was Shawn Michaels. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> and I like Shawn Michaels because on the screen, he was one of the smallest dudes on the thing. He would just take on these big guys, but really he was like 6'2". And so, of course, I had a picture of him on the thing with his bio, 6'2", 220, sweet chin music was his finishing mover. He would kick people in the face. It was amazing. I knew everything about Shawn Michaels, where he was born, where he, how old he was, all these things. I used to worship Shawn Michaels. And I often think, do we actually worship God that way? To the point where we hang on every word that God is saying in his Bible. To the point where we put ourselves in a position that doesn't matter what's happening in our lives, we're going to continue to connect to God. That we're going to be like Daniel. That it doesn't matter what's happening on the outside of my world, I am still going to pray to God this way. That we're like Joseph, that it doesn't matter if somebody is trying to throw sin at me. I'm going to continue to worship God the way that I know that I'm supposed to worship him. I wonder sometimes if we're like that, if we actually truly worship God the way that we're supposed to be worshiping him. And here's the most important thing that you need to know. We weren't made to worship God alone. We were not made to worship God alone. And one of the most frustrating things that I hear Christians say sometimes, it always bugs me when people say this. And you ask them, hey, how is your spirituality going? And they say, oh, I'm just working on my personal relationship with Jesus. Excuse me? You're working on your personal relationship with Jesus? Because last time I checked, when I read the Bible, when I read what Jesus is doing, he ain't talking about just a personal relationship with just you. He's talking about having a relationship with the entirety of the world. Think about this. If Jesus was concerned only with your personal relationship with him, why would he get 12 disciples? Why would he get 12 disciples and then tell Peter, hey, upon your confession that you make about me, I'm going to build my church. It's selfish to think that somehow that this is just our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that we're all connected. In fact, in fact, if Jesus Christ... If God himself meant for us to worship him alone, when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He would have said, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. That's it. He would have stopped there. But then what does he say right after that? He says, love your neighbors as yourself. Love your neighbors as yourself. It is all combined. You cannot say that you worship God and say, I have a personal relationship with God, and only worship him alone, that we're all made in this thing to do this together. And I will tell you one thing, that we are more powerful together. Because whatever God made me to be is different than what he made you to be. And so my deficiency over here, you'll be able to lift me up and build me up and be able to glorify God. And if we're doing that all together, it's going to be amazing. Listen to this. It says, now, you are the body of Christ. And each of you is a part of it. I'm going to stop right there. It says each of you are a part of it. So basically, you're a body. And, and the bottom line is let's rep, this represents Christ. If, somebody, if my hands over here talk about I'm going to work on my personal issue with God, and they're doing this and we're trying to do this, like, no, get over here. <laughs> and we're going to work on our personal relationship with God together while we're over here doing what God has called us to do. We're all connected. 
I'm going to leave this church. I'm going to go to a different church in Japan. I'm going to do things, but I'm still going to be connected to the body of Christ. Some of you might leave here and go to a different place. You're still going to be connected to the body of Christ. Now, listen to this. It says, the body of Christ, each one of you are a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first, all apostles, second, the prophets, third, the teachers, then miracles, then the gift of healing and gift of helping and guidance and different kinds of tongues. Now, they're listing a whole bunch of different gifts and things that God has made us to be. But bottom line is, every last one of us has a different role in the church. And we're all supposed to be using that role or whatever we've been made for to glorify God, not by ourselves, but together, collectively. Here's what I want you to understand, too. We weren't made to worship only in this building. Sometimes I wish the building didn't exist. Because I think sometimes this is, this is where we think God is. And then we leave and he's not with us anymore. We were not made to worship only in this building. This, is, this should be only a fraction of how you worship God. This should be a piece of how you worship God. This should be a place where you come and you just get edified and build up and encouraged. And then when you get filled of your spirituality, you go out and then you begin to live your life by worshiping God with the way that you act towards people. The way that you treat people, the way that you treat your spouse, the way that you treat your kids, the way that you treat the waiter. But instead, what do we do? We come to the building, we like, oh, checklist, and then we go back out and we act just like Americans or act like we act before we even got baptized in the first place. We weren't made to worship only in this building. Everybody knows this verse, right? Some people can memorize this verse. They can just say it, just like that. And uh, sometimes it's frustrating when I, when, I, when I try to preach to Christians sometimes because they're like, oh, I know this. Oh, I heard this before. Oh, it's etched in my mind. But when we actually read this thing, I want you to read when I read it. I want you to ask yourself, am I living out what Jesus is actually calling me to do in this verse? This is literally the last thing that Jesus said on this earth. The last thing that he told his disciples. He says, go for, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. I'm going to read that again. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. I'm going to read it one more time so you can understand it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I have commanded you. How many people are making disciples right now? This is not a suggestion. This is not a cool idea. This is a commandment from God. And so if you find yourself being a Christian, working on your own personal relationship with God, yet you aren't making disciples, you are wrong. Then it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How many people are baptizing people right now and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you? It's so hard for us to teach somebody to obey what Jesus did told us to do when we're not doing it ourselves. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I've commanded you. Again, this is not a suggestion. This is a commandment from God. And when we come to the throne of Jesus Christ, we say, God, forgive me of my sins. Cover me with your blood. God said, I'm going to do it. But I need you. I need you not to just hold on to it for yourself. 
Not to be selfish with your, with your Christianity. I need you to go out and tell people. I need you to tell every nation about the amazing love that I have for you. I need you to baptize every person that is willing to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is what I made you for. I made you so that you can know, so that the rest of the world can know how amazing my love is for them. The church was made to shatter the foundation of earthly cultures. When God had this in mind, when he, when he thought about how he was going to shatter the foundation of earthly cultures, he created a church so that the church could rely on him and his power to shatter everything that is wrong with this culture. But sometimes I find, we find ourselves being so happy with being in this culture that we don't want to step on somebody's toes, that we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Jesus came to shatter earthly cultures. He is hanging out with sinful people. And the Pharisees, the church people, look at him like, why is he hanging out with sinful people? Because he came to shatter the mold. Why is he hanging out with this woman? Why is he hanging out with this sinful, sinful person? I wonder if our lives are built around the idea of shattering the foundation of earthly cultures. Or is it more important for us to fit into the culture? God did not make you to fit into this culture. He made you to change the culture. And often, I'm not just talking about Mission Viejo Church of Christ, but any church I often wonder, like, what do, what do churches do? What do churches do? What do they do? Do they do anything? Like, attendance is down all across the board. People don't want to claim to be Christians no more. What, what, what does the church do? What's our purpose? Like, why do we exist? To, hear, to come hear somebody preach? Is that why you exist? Is that why the church exists? Does the church exist to hear somebody preach? I, I, I want to leave you guys with this because I feel that God has put a special calling over your hearts and over this church and he's looking down he said I made this church for something amazing if only they would understand what I'm trying to do they will see the amazing power and glory that he has I think that we can shatter earthly cultures by start by changing the church's culture I know you think that the church's culture is religious and holy, but it's not. <laughs> it's very cultural. It's very traditional. It's very based off of Bible verses that may not even <laughs> apply. Here's this. Do you know that the church prevents women from serving? This church. This church prevents women from serving. You know how I know this? Because every Sunday... When we do the Lord's Supper, there's always dues passed out the trays. You mean to tell me that we're looking at God and we say, God, I know that you made that woman to serve. And she might want to serve on the Lord's table, but because she's a woman, because I misread a verse over here, I'm not going to let her serve. Oh, wait, wait, I am going to let her serve. I'm going to let her serve over here because I'm a man and you gave me that authority. So... Maybe some people are uncomfortable with that. Hey, this is my last sermon. I can say what I want. <laughs> but well, maybe some people are uncomfortable with that. But what, what, what's the difference? What's the difference between me taking the, the tray and walking down? I'm a man. I'm a man. Look at me, man. I'm serving. And I pass it to my daughter. 
Should she wait for a man to give it to somebody else? Oh, wait, Ari, you can't pass it to her because you need a man to do that for you. That is not what God called us to. In fact, again, <laughs> what, what if God created a woman for the purpose of being powerful in her prayers? But again, the church says, because you're a woman, you can't pray in front of men who are baptized. Okay. I, I, okay. One of the most powerful people that prayed over my life was a woman. And her name was Gladys Burton. And I would never, ever challenge anything that that woman said. When she came to me, she's like, Javon, do you need me to pray for you, anything for you? I'm like, yes, Gladys, can you pray for this, this, and this? Within two months, boom, it was answer prayer. But because the church misreads a Bible verse, they say that she can't get up and glorify and use what God clearly made her to do to get in front of the congregation and pray over the congregation because she has powerful prayers because she's a girl. The church's culture needs to change because I think that somehow we think that's, that God is not continuously revealing himself to his people. That God is in, in the constant process of revealing who he is to his people. That he's not this legalistic. I mean, Jesus fought with the Pharisees over legalistic stuff. And sometimes here we are being legalistic about how we do church. And it's so crazy because you got young women over here who have been called by God to do amazing things for the kingdom. But they can't do it because, oh, no, there's a baptized male in here. The second thing that I think we need to do to shatter earth culture is to do ministry that includes more gifts. Hey, wait, let me go back. For all you that's kind of uncomfortable, like, I can't believe Javon saying that. <laughs> I want you to read all of 1 Corinthians. All of it. As a letter. Instead of just reading it as a verse or part of a scripture. I want you to read it all. And then I want you to text me or call me or whatever and say, hey, can you explain this to me? I'll explain it to you. Because in the end of all of that, he gets to the point where he says, hey, when it comes to whether they cover their head or don't cover their head, just do it the way you already been doing it. In other words, when, they're when a woman is up praying and prophesying in your church, this is him talking, when a woman is praying or prophesying in your church, do it the way you've always been doing it. That doesn't sound like he said don't pray. Women can't pray or prophesy. But that's a, that's a whole other sermon. I won't do that to y'all. The second thing that I think Mission Viejo needs to do, not just Mission Viejo, all churches, is that they need to do more ministries that include more gifts. Now, when we come into the church service, we got a person that comes up to do a prayer, and we got somebody to preach, and we got somebody to lead song, and, that, and that's great. But... What about the encouragers? Now, there are a whole bunch of people in this, in this, in this church, in this organization that encourages people. And they do it on their own time, on their own whatever. But I think what, where, where is the room in the, in, in the service for people to encourage people? Where, where is it? And again, so what happens, because even though we weren't made to worship God alone, we end up doing it all alone. What? what I, I believe this. 
there have been people coming up to me, and they say, they say after I give a sermon, they'd be like, Javon, you know what I miss? I miss when we used to go door knocking. And they're super excited about it. You want to know why they're super excited about it? Because they're evangelists. And they were made to be evangelists. Me, when I hear door knocking, I'm like, nope. <laughs> I ain't trying to do all that. And some people, when they hear door knocking, like, nope, I ain't trying to go no door knocking. But some people get excited about door knocking. Because they were called to be evangelists. Where is the room in the church for people to be evangelistic? We just tell people, oh, be evangelistic in your, in, in your community or whatever. But we collectively need to be evangelistic. Can, can, can we imagine this? If, if we did go door knocking, let's say we went door knocking. And instead of just randomly, so, oh, do you want to do it? You want to do it? You have the evangelists go and knock on the door and they do their thing. And they lift them up and say, hey, you heard about Jesus, heard about our church. And then you have somebody who's made to be a prayer warrior there with you and say, is there anything we want to pray for you about? And they might tell you, like, hey, prayer warrior, can you pray? Now, the prayer warrior probably never said anything the whole time because he was all like, man, I don't really want to be doing this. But when you say pray, you're like, oh, that's what God made me for. And then, then the person that is an encouraging type of person, they'd be like, hey, I, I wanted to leave you with this verse. I wanted to encourage you. I, I'm only going to say a few words, but it's going to be encouraging. And then maybe they have somebody with them that's a servant person. And he hasn't said anything the whole time. But they say, hey, we need something. Something's wrong with our car. Can you help? He's like, oh, I'm ready to go. We have to be willing to make an impact in our community by allowing everyone to use their gifts to glorify the kingdom. And so our ministries have to be done with a purpose. I, I, I can guarantee you that I, I can look. I only have to. I only have to. Look around. I can guarantee you that there are people in Mission Viejo within the five block radius who are struggling with their marriages, who are on the verge of divorce. Some of y'all might be in this room. What is the church doing to shatter the cultures and help people through their divorce or help people to stay married? What does Mission Viejo do when it comes to that? I think God is still waiting. I, 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 I guarantee you that there are people right now in this community who are struggling with suicide and depression, who are suicidal people, who have a hard time dealing with the ways of this life, and we don't know who they are. I, 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 what is Mission Viejo doing to help the suicidal people and the depressed people in this, in this community? We don't have to go that far, just this community. I really think that God is still waiting. I guarantee you that there are people in this community who struggle with drugs and alcohol and addiction. I guarantee you it. In this community, within a five-block radius, and I ask you one more time, what is Mission Viejo doing to help the drug addict, to help the alcoholic? We were made for so much more than just coming here and listening to a sermon on Sunday morning. I am telling you that right now. We are made for so much more than just this. And God is calling this church to do amazing things in this community. And, and we look around like, oh, why are there empty seats? Why are the people not, not here? Because we ain't doing nothing. Because, oh, let me rephrase that. Because we're doing the bare minimum. We're, do, we're doing the bare minimum just like my RP. We're doing the bare minimum just like Cain. And it's enough for us. 
Because as long as I can check the box and I can go and watch football, I can check the box, I can go and do this, I can check the box and I can just feel great about myself for a fraction of a second longer, then I'm good. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. God has called us to so much more than that. And the reason why our Christianity kind of sits down here and it's kind of boring and just kind of like lacks the days ago and we don't really see God working is because we're not doing what God made us to do. And so individually, I want you to put yourself in a position to figure out what has God specifically made you to do. Pray to God about it. Search the scriptures for all the different gifts that you can have. And then put yourself in a position to do those things. And then once you do that, I I, I want to encourage the elders to come up with different ministries that glorify all those gifts so that people could be like, hey, I'm going to participate in that because that's my gifting. A lot of people don't do things because they put something up that they don't want to do. They're like, I don't want to do that. I'm scared of doing that. I don't know how to do that. I wasn't really made to do that. That's why they're not doing it. And so I, I, I want to encourage the church. To understand that we will see God do amazing things through you if you just simply live the way that God made us to live. If you simply worship the way that God made you to worship. If you just simply put yourself in a position and say, you know what, I, I am done doing the bare minimum. I'm done with that. I'm going to live sacrificially. And I'm going to do what God has called me to do, even if it means that I might lose my job. That's fine, because God gave you a job anyway. But what's more important, your job or somebody's salvation? I, I think people right now, if they answer that, they'd be like, hey, my job, probably, because I need to pay these bills. <laughs> but I can tell you one thing. Someone else's salvation is more important than anything that you get here on earth. And since you already have your salvation, let us not be selfish and hold on to it and not tell somebody about the wonderful and amazing grace that God showed for us. I love you guys, man. I really do. And I appreciate everything that you've done for my family and all that. So I hope that this message was encouraging, it was uplifting, but more importantly, I hope that it was challenging. And I hope that in three years from now, that I come back, it's not just... Same thing. That when, you, when you remember this lesson, you remember, hey, you know, I, I can do something for the kingdom of God. God made me for a particular purpose. And so I'm going to do that on a daily basis. And also for the leadership, I pray that you guys say, you know what? I know that people are made for different reasons and different callings and different giftings. And so we're going to create ministries that include all those giftings so that everybody can participate in what God is going to do. And once we do that, God will bless this so much that you wouldn't even know what to do with it. You'd be like, man, there's so many people here. We need a new building to, you know, <laughs> a new building to worship in. Because you're living out the calling that God created for you in the first place. So as I leave, if you have anything that you would like for us to pray for you about, um, you can come forward now as we stand and we sing. Or if you just decide, hey, you know, I want to give my life to God. I want to do something different. I want to live out my calling to be made, to do what God has called me to do. Uh, there's no time like the present to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins. And be gifted with the Holy Spirit so you can do amazing things for the kingdom. If you have any...
prayer requests or anything that you would like for us to pray for you about, please come forward now as we stand and as we sing.